So I absolutely love that um, just today I asked uh, Allison and Carol if they would read a passage for us. Um, was probably anticipating a psalm, uh, maybe even a prayer from the New Testament, and then to have them show up without having uh, communicated with one another um, or any prompting from me to be in the same chapter um, in, a, in a passage that just flowed from verse 30 as Allison ended into 31 as Carol ended. Um, just cool to see the Lord do that. So as we gather um, virtually, remotely today, um, we're celebrating a really familiar holiday. Um, it's, it's Easter. It has been given, though, um, a unique opportunity this year to maybe feel a little less than familiar. Um, it's one where we are often used to the story, used to kind of an expectation of what should happen on an Easter Sunday morning um, with our service, then even with meal and family afterwards and, and your family routine, and, and all of that has been thrown out this year. And yet, sometimes it's in these times where we have a unique opportunity that the memories and the situation um, is just affected in, in a way that, that sets in a little deeper. Uh, I remember the first Easter that that happened for me was actually in Yemen, while Carmen and I were serving overseas, um, I was um, out in a more remote part of Yemen, away from Carmen, on an Easter Sunday. And that evening, with some strangers, we set out on a flat roof in the Middle East, um, on the beach, looking out over the ocean, and had roasted lamb. And I just remember thinking, this is so bizarre that I'm on a flat roof in the Middle East, eating a kind of traditional meal, um, in, in a, not in an area where Jesus walked exactly, but in at least that region. And so that Easter just stands out. It wasn't because of a, a church service or a sermon, but it was just the experience of what was happening that day. And so, listen, the circumstances that are happening right now do, do not um, lessen or necessarily give more, um, more power to the holiday. Um, the story of Jesus' resurrection is sufficient in itself. It is powerful and it is mighty. But the circumstances that we are currently facing do give us maybe um, heightened senses, um, ears that are attuned to listen differently today, um, a heart, a soul that is hungry to be fed. Uh, maybe it's just a, an awareness that we see our need in a greater way than we could conjure up um, in, in past years. And so would we not waste this opportunity? And so where I'd like us to start this morning is just to consider the situation of the disciples um, prior to the crucifixion. If we think about John 13 and 14, during that scene, as they're having the, the, the last supper laid out before them, as they're celebrating the Passover that's becoming the Lord's Supper, we just see a room that is, that is tense, that is, that is uneasy. There are questions being asked. There is concern because they can tell that something is going on as Jesus is talking, as they're in Jerusalem, and as they're asking these questions and as they're seeing just kind of an unsettledness in their own spirits, I think maybe we, would, we resonate more with disciples this year in 2020 than we would in any previous year as we think about their experience. Um, as they're confused and troubled, asking Jesus, now, now where are you going? And yet we see in that same scene that Jesus is assuring them. 
He is comforting them. He's encouraging them. He's telling them, hey, there's a place that I'm going, and, I, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So I'm, I'm going somewhere intentionally, and I'm going to come back. And he, he promises them there in chapter 14 the Holy Spirit, right? That he is ministering to them and reminding them that they're still going to have access to them, that things are going to be okay, that, that there is love and peace. And so you can almost now imagine the scene where it's not so troubled or tense any longer, but now there's just kind of a deep sigh of relief. Um, the breathing um, falls more into rhythm, and they're looking around going, okay, I think we're going to be okay. Almost like a child looking at a parent in the midst of a storm wanting to know, is everything going to be okay? And as the parent whom they love and trust assures them that things are going to be okay, right, blood pressure goes down and heart rate returns to normal, and there are sighs of relief. And yet, we see that things actually immediately get worse. Because in that very evening, Jesus will be arrested because he's been betrayed by one of the twelve, by Judas. And so things get worse as, as he is betrayed, as he is arrested, as he goes into a sham of a trial and faces all kinds of injustice, of mockery, of physical abuse, of beatings, of lies, of a, a, a guilty sentencing that would not even begin to stand up. And then eventually, in his death, as Jesus goes to the cross and is crucified. And so you can imagine the disciples going, well, that Jesus assured us that things were going to be okay, that he was with us and that he is for us. And now, all of a sudden, things are terrifying and they're difficult. And so they've gone from the previous week, a triumphal entry into Jerusalem as they're celebrating the Passover holiday week, and now things are absolutely devastated as Jesus has been crucified. So as we consider this, where do we find the disciples? Where do we begin to see them in the aftermath of the crucifixion? And if you'll look with me in John 20, I want to read to you from verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Right? As it begins, we see that they're in a room, they're huddled together, and they're afraid. That they're fearful. That, that the circumstances and the situation of the world around them is not what they were anticipating. And yet, as we celebrate today, and what we know that they will soon know in John 20 is this, is that Jesus is alive, that he has defeated sin, that he has defeated Satan, that he has defeated death, and that he has resurrected, that the tomb is empty. Read with me in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 6. He is not here, for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with great fear and joy, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And so we see that the resurrection has occurred, that people are beginning to see that Jesus is alive. And so as we look back, now to John 20 for just a moment. 
we'll see this, that as the disciples were huddled up in fear, that it, verse 19 continues, and Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So as the disciples are, are huddled in this room, fearful in the days following the crucifixion, we see in 19 that Jesus has said to them, peace be with you, even in their fear. And then back to Matthew 28, in verse 10, he says, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And so we see just the initial words from Jesus coming out of the crucifixion, um, wanting to be uh, the things he's wanting to communicate to the disciples um, is peace, right? I'm here with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. So church, would we even just hear that from Jesus this morning? Don't be troubled. Peace, because I'm with you. That he has not left us, that he has not forsaken us. And so I, I hope that that even those verses could minister to us today. And what I want us to do for the rest of our time um, in, in this, this morning is to see what can we learn from the disciples um, as we celebrate this season um, and, and hoping that our, our hearts and our faith, our trust would be deepened um, in Jesus as we look at the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus. And the first thing is this, is that the disciples, they actually, they struggled because they were, were unable to see past their immediate circumstances, right? And why were they huddled up in John 20 in a room in fear? It's because their circumstances were not going the way they had envisioned. Just a little over a week prior, they had ridden in as Jesus is being worshipped and celebrated, um, as he is being, um, as the crowds are crying out, Hosanna. And now he has been crucified, that their mission seems to be over. And they're, they're wondering what is going on. Because they didn't seem to be seeing what God was doing. Right? Because Jesus has told them, he's encouraged them through the three plus years of ministry. Right? That, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And even in, in the nights previous, is there... Um, having the last supper, that he tells them, that, look, this is the bread is my body broken and, and the wine is my blood, right, that's being spilled for the forgiveness of many. That Jesus has been telling them, right, that, that his life was going to be poured out on behalf of humanity to, to satisfy the wrath of God and to make us right with the Father again, that we needed him to reconcile us to the Father, but it's happening in a way different than they would have wanted, that they maybe even were anticipating. And even if the disciples understood that something more like the crucifixion was coming, the crowds didn't, right? They, they were hoping for Jesus to overthrow Rome or to come in power and prestige and fame, right, to, to be victorious. And yet we see what many would call the foolishness of the gospel is that it came in seeming loss and defeat and death as Jesus was crushed and crucified. So we see the disciples struggling with their circumstances. And I think today, if we're honest, many of us are struggling with our circumstances, right? Whether we have been directly impacted financially or physically with our health or with um, fear, we are being impacted as our globe is being impacted, as we're seeing others 
fearful and dying, as we're seeing folks' hours cut back, as we're seeing jobs laid off, as, as we're wondering about the future and what is going on in our world. And yet, as we turn back to that night as Jesus is ministering to the disciples, in John 16, in verse 33, he says this to them, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Right, that he had told them even prior to the cross, you're going to have issues, you're going to have troubling circumstances, but have peace, take heart, because I'm, I'm overcoming these things. Church, we need these words this morning as well as we celebrate the resurrection and Easter Sunday that, that Jesus has told us there will be trouble in this world, there will be difficult circumstances, but take heart because I have overcome this world. Church, Jesus is still in control. The Father is still on the throne. He has not been taken by surprise. Um, he gets the final say, not economic struggle, not COVID-19, not um, unease or um, job loss, not global fear. Jesus gets the final say. And He is working for our good and for His glory. He is trustworthy, and He is working to redeem, to restore, to rescue, to call men and women who are currently far off to, to, to salvation, to becoming sons and daughters of the King because He has defeated our enemies. He's defeated sin and Satan and death, and He is alive today. And so would we understand that we have to have a trust that even if we can't see despite we can't see past our current circumstances, that it does not mean that God isn't at work. And the second thing I want us to look at is this: is that the resurrection absolutely changed the disciples' lives. That as we picture them in John 20, kind of huddled and afraid, it's not a, a super flattering picture. That we know that that's not the, the way we think of them most often. Because we see the, their story um, is a, a, a trajectory of glory of God, of power, of ministry, of church planning. We see their tone change, and they become these ferocious men of God who make much of Jesus. That we see Peter writing, we see these other men working, um, we see John's writings, and they write as men who have seen the living God who know that Jesus was who he had claimed to be. And so they boldly, courageously um, preach and teach and love and serve and pastor until for all but one of them, their lives are violently taken from them um, because of Jesus. And even John, who most likely um, died not a, a violent death, was still exiled um, his history would tell us he was um, boiled alive, that some things happened to him that were, were less than pleasant. As we think about these things, what changed these men from huddling in a room to living lives poured out for Jesus? And it was because Jesus walked into that room in John 20, that he was alive, that he had beaten death. And so now they had this cheat code, right, that they no longer feared anything because their king was real, their king was alive, and their king had sent them out 
on mission. Jesus was alive. Jesus is alive. He was accessible to them. He was available. They had the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, within them and His power. And so death had been defeated. They weren't afraid of that. Sin had been, the power of it had been broken. Satan had seen that he was going to lose. And so the mission went forward. Jesus' suffering brings us hope. It brings us life. It brings us purpose. It brings us peace. It brings us reconciliation with the Father. And if we turn over um, to to Acts chapter 8, we'll see that God's suffering does not just bring our salvation through Jesus, but that God uses suffering to push the gospel forward, to push mission forward. If you look in verse 1 of chapter 8, and Saul approved of the execution. He's referring to Stephen here. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Did you catch that? Right? Like that as the persecution came, as the suffering came, what happened? That the church was spread out, that it was pushed forward, that mission went out, that the gospel hope went out to those who had not yet had the opportunity to hear. That God was using difficult circumstances to move forward what he was doing in the world. So church, I think the question for us this morning as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive is this. Are we going to allow our current circumstances, the suffering, the tribulation that we are facing um, to, to leave us trembling in a room, afraid and fearful, or is it going to push us forward? Is it going to push the mission forward? Because we have the same things the apostles had available to them available. Jesus is alive. He is accessible to us. We have um, the hope of his return. We have hope that he has gone to prepare a place for us. He has left the spirit in his stead. He is a promise keeper that he is with us and that he is for us. He's given access to himself through prayer that the mission can continue to go forward because Jesus is still alive and well and working. And so maybe what is going on here is this, is that we're being refined, right? That, that some of the things that we have trusted in, depended on, um, found our, our satisfaction, our hope in, have been toppled, right? That, that comfort is, is gone right now. Um, that, that freedom has been encroached upon a little bit. Um, that economic security and stability has been affected for many, right? That, that even some sense of control that wasn't really there, but we had this, this semblance that we were in control of our own lives and destiny um, as, as good Americans, right? That these things have just kind of been tossed to the side. And that what we've seen is that Jesus is sufficient, that he is enough, and yet that we've leaned on some things that were far less than enough. And so as those things are being toppled in our life, as we are being refined, that we would find ourselves repenting, knowing that we need Easter. Easter is not just for those who don't know Jesus. Easter is for us because we tend to trust things that are less than sufficient because we continue to be independent and prideful because we continue to sin against a holy God that we too needed rescue. 
that we continue to need to be, need to be reminded of the gospel, to walk in the truths of it. As Hebrews would tell us that if we're not careful, we'll just kind of drift away from the things of God. I mean, we don't ever drift towards holiness. We drift away. And that we would repent of these things and, and cry out and hunger once more to know Jesus and His, and His suffering and His holiness, that we would be near Him, that our trust and our faith would be deepened. Would we be reminded that the mission has not changed, that there are people who are in desperate need of hope and of encouragement, and that we have answer for that hope, and that we can run unencumbered. There's nothing to fear for us, right? Death has lost its sting because Jesus walked out of the tomb, and it's empty today. And so that we know to be um, absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and so death does not have a control over us. We don't have to fear death. That we have purpose and mission, and yet we can also wrestle that this is not how things are meant to be. That the world is fallen, it's broken, and that there are those who truly do fear death because death has, does have control, and death for them would mean separation from God. And so for those who are unencumbered by that fear, that we would point back to our rescuer, our Savior, who rescued us not um, because we were so mighty, but because He was. Not because we were so generous, but because He is. Not because we were great, but because He is. Right? That it was despite our sin. Right? It was in the midst of the throes of rebellion against Him that Jesus has rescued us. And that that offer is still available. And so both things can be true this morning. That death still reigns in the world and there are those who are controlled by it, and death would mean separation from God, and we can be unencumbered by a fear of death because Jesus has rescued us and made us His, and so eternity is ours, and that we have that message and that hope to share because Jesus is alive. And so I just want to end this morning with a few thoughts here. Would, would the Spirit just minister to your, your soul as these truths are reminded to you, are reminded Jesus is alive. Right? This is not a cutesy um, platitude or cliche. He is alive, and so he is hearing our prayers. He is hearing our worship. Our songs and our prayers aren't bouncing off walls and ceilings. They are being heard by a living king who has defeated our greatest enemies. That death is defeated, that the power of sin is broken, that it doesn't hold power over us anymore, that He is currently restoring everything, everything in this world for His glory, that this life, church, will never be enough to satisfy. COVID-19 is just another kind of interloper, another reminder, another interrupter of that, that this life, um, when it has a facade on it, can feel like it's sufficient. And then something like this comes in and we lament because people are dying and things are broken and things are not the way they're meant to be. And it's a reminder of that, that this life isn't sufficient. It will not satisfy us, but Jesus is. And that he gives us hope and peace in this life. Church, would you be reminded that pain isn't wasted? That suffering isn't wasted? It is not for nothing. It is not um, just being picked on. Would you hear Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 4 here? 
beginning in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right? That we would not think that what we have coming for us in Christ even begins, right, to compare to the suffering that we have. These things will feel um, minute. No matter how big they are in this life, they will feel minute to the glory that is coming in Jesus. And then one final passage that we have been given footsteps to follow even as we think of suffering. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, that Jesus has given us footsteps to follow in suffering. Peter writes this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, that as we walk in difficult circumstances, that we can trust that God is doing something, is shaping us more into the image of Jesus. In church, would we just not move beyond the fact that Jesus is alive? And so today, if your heart is still fearful, that you can go to him. You can take that, right, to your high priest who gets it, who understands, who has been in difficult circumstances. That if you're worried, that you can take that to him. That if you have doubts, if you have discouragement, that you can take those things to him. That he is hearing and receiving, and he's going to minister to you. Because he's alive. So church, we get to celebrate that today, even as our world groans around us. We can trust that God is setting things right and restoring them. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we want to treasure you. You are our rescuer. God, we want to live a life that that reflects, that reveals that we believe that you are alive, that you are enough, that you are sufficient for us. God, thank you that that these, these thoughts that you're alive and that death is defeated and the power of sin is broken are not just cliches, they're not just platitudes, They're not just Easter sayings, but they are truths that we can anchor our souls in because they're attached to a person, and we know that person is you, Jesus. God, that you are the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. God, would you allow us, Lord, to live um, without fear, to to have opportunities to give answer and reasons for the hope that we have. And God, would you take your word, even as it's um, sent out over the internet, to call and to woo those who are far from you. God, that your arm is not too short to save. So Lord, would you use your word this morning as it is sung, as it is read, as it is preached, as it is prayed 
to encourage the hearts of your church, the people who trust and treasure and follow you. And God, would you use it to draw out repentance, Lord, and and confession for those who need that. And God, would you use it to bring salvation. Lord, that even now there would be those who are hearing these words um, scoffing or wondering or, or even just doubting that you're alive and that they would hear you calling their name, saying, come be mine. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, and I want you to taste life and freedom because I have it to give. So God, we trust you. We say we need you. God, we thank you that you're alive. In Jesus' name, amen.